Welcome to the Innovation Meets Leadership Podcast. Real inspiration for real innovators. If you're looking for innovation and leadership transformation, your journey starts now. Welcome to the Innovation Meets Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Bourne. I want to welcome Guatemala to the list of the 54 plus countries listening to this podcast. Welcome, literally from around the world. Well, guys, today my guest is Karen Hardwick. Karen is a psychotherapist turned leadership consultant, and she has a master's in divinity from Princeton Theology Seminary. She blends psychology and spirituality with leadership, and she has turned her career into coaching Fortune 1000 leaders at work and at home. Her book, which we're going to talk about today, is The Connected Leader, and it shows us humans how to grow emotionally and spiritually using her seven strategies of connection to become our best selves as parents, as spouses, and as leaders. Welcome to the podcast, Karen. Oh, thank you, Natalie. It's great to be here with you today. Well, in your article, you talk a little bit about this in a Forbes magazine article. You said that we are not leaders having a leadership crisis, but we are leaders having a human being crisis. I would love to know a little bit more about that. Oh, I'm so glad you picked that to dive into. That's one of my favorite sayings. We are not leaders having a leadership crisis. We're leaders having a human being crisis. So when we let that sink in and wash over us, what does that mean? What I believe it means is that leaders can no longer MBA their way into leadership. What we need to do is show up more fully human with the power of our stories. And what that means in the work that I do is helping leaders understand how to create psychologically safe workplaces so their people can feel supported, so they can innovate, to use your word, so that they can truly begin to step into the power of their gifts and also address their flaws in an environment which is empathetic and accountable. And I also believe that leaders. A leader is anyone, Natalie, who has people entrusted to their care. So I like to broaden the definition of leadership and also extend the invitation to stay-at-home parents, to people who work in churches, people who are community leaders. Anyone who has people entrusted to their care can learn to show up more fully human. That's powerful. I love that you extended an invitation for other people to see themselves as leaders. I think that's so important. I would love to know, as you were writing this book, Connected Leader, what was the main burden on your heart for people who would pick this up and read it? Mm, I love that question. What we're dealing with right now in this world is pretty heavy. The weight of it is weighing heavily on so many of us human beings. It's a really tough time. We're in a difficult season. And as I was writing this book, I wanted to give people hope that regardless of what was going on around them, as tough as it could be, as much grief as we individually and collectively carry, there is hope. And the hope is in activating our connection wiring. So you know this, we're all neurobiologically wired to connect. And so very many of us don't know how to activate that wiring in healthy ways. So one of my hopes for people is for them to see that true connection starts with themselves. 
that starts deep within them. So until somebody learns how to connect deeply to themselves, it's going to be very difficult to form healthy connections with other people. And as they connect deeply to themselves in there, they usually find a spiritual presence that also helps to lift them up and that takes them deeper into their true self, into their gifts. I would love to know a little bit when you were writing this book, there's seven, there's kind of seven pieces. And I would love to maybe take one of them and talk a little bit about them, especially, you know, as leaders, just knowing how to connect. And I love that you expanded it to, you know, at work, at home with your children, just knowing how to connect into other people. We all desire it. We all want it. But then when it comes down to it, there's this kind of cognitive dissonance, right? Between what we want to happen, what we desire to happen, and what actually happens. Mm-hmm. As a leader, as somebody who wants to tap into leadership and innovation, like what is the one that you feel like would be the most powerful one for them to really, really think on and consider? So all of the seven strategies, Natalie, are truly important. And I wouldn't say that any of them are more important than the others. Having said that, some of us show up with strengths in some of the seven strategies that are more pronounced than in other strategies. So they're all connected as well. I'm going to dive in a little bit to empathy, just because it's such a powerful word in our cultures today. And this is chapter four for those of you who are going to get this book. (laughs) Oh, thank you, Natalie. Um, So So I have a very interesting take on empathy. I believe it is a superpower. I believe it's incredibly important to stand in the shoes of somebody else and convey the feeling that I understand what you're going through, to create sacred space. And I believe we can do this in our workplaces, and I believe we can do a better job of it in our homes. However, in order to really have that be genuinely offered, There's a couple of things to think about. One, we have to be able to offer empathy first to ourselves. And many leaders in all different kinds of situations struggle with that. Yeah. Can you like picture yourself, Natalie, just struggling with showing yourself empathy or other people that you know struggling with it? It's hard to be gentle with ourselves. Absolutely. So I think it's very important for us to connect deeply to the power of our stories, to hold our story lightly and with compassion, Mm -hmm. understand what it means to have walked the journey we have walked, and to understand and to accept our feelings, not to fix them, not to deny them, but to just accept them. And when we do that, we can do the same for other people which means we sometimes simply say to somebody, I'm so glad you let me know what was going on. Mm. We don't have to fix. We don't have to rescue. We don't have to rush in. We can give somebody the dignity of finding their own way as long as they know we support them. So that's empathy. And a lot of people think it's about rushing in. It's about finding a solution. It's about offering advice. And when we do that, what happens is we also learn that along with empathy, boundaries have to ride shotgun. Mm. Because if we don't have boundaries, we can become, and I know this firsthand, we can become empathy-holics. We can rush in. We can have so much feeling for somebody else that we don't give them the dignity 
of finding their own way. Wow. So empathy means we also invite people to do their healing work, to be responsible for their commitments, even when they're going through difficult times, and to let them know that we're with them, walking beside them, but we're not taking whatever it is they're carrying from them. And that creates a really respectful workplace that contributes to innovation in really clear ways. It certainly creates psychological safety. You know, it's interesting. I don't want to say I struggle with empathy, but I struggle with the right way to be empathetic. It's interesting. I was reading this article the other day and they were saying, you know, if someone's telling you about a hard situation and you've been through a hard situation too, like don't tell them that. Listen to their hard situation. And I think it's what's so important is figuring out how to show up for someone. For some people, it may be saying, I understand exactly where you're coming from. I've had a hard situation too. For others, it may be just listening and they need that listening ear. They don't need you to jump in with your story. And I think sometimes with empathy, it's hard. The more you know somebody, the better you know who to show up as for them. But that can be, I think, difficult in leadership when you're learning new teams, new people to know how to show up right for them. And I don't know if it's as simple as asking or if you have other tips of of how we can be our best self for those that need us the most. I love that you're being so vulnerable and so honest about that empathy is hard. It is. Because sometimes what it requires us to do is just listen. Mm -hmm. And I believe that sometimes people are just so anxious with other people's feelings that they want to get out of that space as quickly as possible. They want to say something that conveys sympathy, which is very different than empathy. So we all have ways that we circumvent empathy by jumping in with our own stories. I was in a conversation just yesterday and I was talking about yesterday being the anniversary of my husband's death and somebody jumped in very quickly to tell me about the anniversary of a family member's death. And so before you knew it, 20 minutes later, we were talking about their story and I get it. I understand people are eager to share their stories and sometimes they don't know how to hold ours lightly without jumping in. I would love to spend a little more time on that because I I think there is power in understanding how to do that. I think people desire to do it. They have the heart to do it. But when it comes down to it, we're the friend that's 20 minutes into our story when that was not the point of the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Go back to what you said. We have the desire to do it. And that's true. And there's sometimes such a gap between our intention and how we show up. Yes. And that's where disconnection can happen. So that's why I invite people to truly get comfortable with their own feelings. Because the more comfortable we are with grief, with anger, with our fear or our anxiety, the more comfortable we are to sit with somebody else. Because the truth of the matter is we can walk through our feelings. They pass. And regardless of how difficult a time might be, most of us walk through those seasons and come out of those seasons. And I think the most powerful thing to say to somebody is, I hear what you're saying. I'm holding that so lightly Thank you for telling me. So we're not fixing. We don't have to have all the answers. We don't have to have a similar story. It's you're listening and thank you for sharing. It's really powerful. 
And the other thing that's really powerful is to say to somebody, I really have had a similar experience. It's not the same as yours. So I'm happy to share my story if that would be helpful for you. So to ask them, Hmm. that's also another powerful tip. When we are in Zapotico with somebody else, we're not as interested in making sure that they know about us. We really want to stay focused on them. But one of the ways we can connect is letting them know, I have had a similar experience, but it's how we do that mm-hmm. that can make the difference between disconnection and connection. That's beautiful. I think this is, it leans so deeply into self-awareness and self-discovery. Part of what you're saying there is as we understand our own challenges and you know, oftentimes we move so fast as a society that our soul kind of can't catch up to where we're at physically and what we're doing. And so being able to slow down, sit down, be quiet, and just even understand how we're feeling and how we're doing, I think is part of being able to even hold that space for other people. If we have a hard time holding that space for ourselves, it's very difficult to hold that space for other people and to be a listening ear because we're moving too fast. I really like that. And thank you for putting that on the table, Natalie. Truly, so much of our connection resides in our ability to sit with ourselves. So St. John of the Cross said that silence is God's first language. And it's in the silence that not only do we find God, but we find ourselves or and we find ourselves. And the two being so connected in so many ways As you said, though, we run in this run faster, scroll up, do more kind of a world. Right. There's so many distractions and pulls on our time. And what happens when that occurs is a few things. We typically lead with our ego, which means we're being driven by our fears and our own personal agendas. In my book, ego means that we're edging God out and we're just pushing our own agenda The other thing that happens when we're not silent is we start to believe the lies of whatever it is that has enslaved us. And we're all slaves to certain things. It could be addictions. It could be work. It could be hustling for approval. But when we don't slow down and, as you said, create that sacred space, we start to believe the lies of the things that enslave us. So silence is so important these days, maybe more important these days than ever before. Wow. I would love to talk more about what are some ways that people can get silent? You know, it's, (laughs) I'm embarrassed to say that we have some friends that for years have been trying to get us to go on a silent retreat. We keep trying to schedule it, but haven't had time, which tells you, (laughs) which tells you a lot. That's funny. That's But. But it's, you know, it's just 24 hours of no phone. It's just silence. And I think our society really struggles with silence. I think the reason a lot of addictions exist is because the silence is so difficult for our society. I would love to talk a little bit more about some practices of how you can start to inch your way towards even considering the practice of silence. I believe that how we do the morning is how we do the day. And so for me, what works for me, and this is just for me, I have a pretty lengthy, quiet time in the morning. I like to say that, you know, it takes sometimes hours for the heavenly hosts to ground me. 
So I give myself to this practice in the morning and it includes meditation. It includes a Christian form of meditation called centering prayer. It's a very ancient practice. It's about finding God in the silence and letting God do God's work within you. I also read inspirational readings that are important to me. So that includes 12-step readings because I'm in recovery. It also includes readings from the Bible and any other book that I might be reading at that time that fuels my soul. I journal. So you can tell this is a this is a long, silent practice. It really has gotten longer over the years, Natalie. Yeah. It is what grounds me and fuels me. So there's that kind of an invitation that I hold out to my clients, that I encourage other people to find. Some people do yoga in the morning. Anything that allows them to just be can work. I'm going on a retreat. No phone, no outside contact at all for two weeks. Wow, two weeks. I'm going to do some deep inner soul work and emotional work. And I'm always doing that kind of work. And I want to go even deeper. And you're right. So much of this run faster, scroll up, keep busy is about numbing ourselves. Yeah. And addictions are about numbing ourselves, taking ourselves out of ourselves. And so it's easy to point to the recovering addicts and alcoholics and say, oh, they're the ones who are the addicts. And I would venture to say that we all, all of us are recovering from something. And until we stop running, it's hard to find out what it is that we need to recover from. I've enjoyed this. I think a lot of leaders just run so fast. They don't do the introspective work. They don't slow down. Think about some of the things you're saying, because all of these things impact our leadership. And so the way we lead, what we're leading from, either we're leading from, you know, an abundance or we might be leading from a lack. Um, and if we lead from a lack, we create a transactional experience for everyone we lead with and or lead, you know, everyone that experiences our leadership. So, so this is so, so powerful. Any final thoughts that you'd like to leave our listeners with today? All connection starts with ourselves. And I think that's really important. And for people to keep in mind that the power of connection, yes, is rooted in self-discovery. However, it does impact positively business metrics. It elevates the value and beauty in relationships. And it really does move us, as you said, Natalie, so beautifully, from transactional to transformational. So thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining us today. Where can our listeners follow you? So they can find me and all of our products on my website, karenjhardwick.com. I'm on Instagram under Karen J. Hardwick, on LinkedIn under Karen J. Hardwick. So I'm out there, easy to find. Thank you so much for your time today. This has been so, so good. Yeah. Thank you, Natalie. Thank you. Well, to our listeners, thank you for joining the Innovation Meets Leadership podcast. And remember, don't just get out of the box, break the box and set it on fire. Let's go transform something. Thank you for joining us for the Innovation Meets Leadership podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our show on iTunes. Follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Innovation Meets Leadership. And visit our site at innovationmeetsleadership.com for more innovation resources.